0: Well good morning again. Um, Pastor Aaron is off for one more week, I think. So uh, today we are welcoming from the faraway country of Indiana, (laughs) (laughs) Pastor Joel DeMott. Uh, He is pastor of youth and young adults in Clinton Frame Church in Goshen. Uh, Joel and his wife have been married for 13 years and have four children, Aaron, who is named after Pastor Aaron, Josiah, Matthew, and Molly. And uh, to give you perspective maybe on his theology, he's known Aaron since Aaron, or when Aaron had hair. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. I was, uh, I think uh, Paul invited me to, for a joke at Aaron's expense, and I don't know why the bald thing comes up so quickly, but, right, it's right it was low-hanging fruit, and uh, <laughs> that's, that's what I went with, so, um, good to be with all of you, uh, I uh, come to you, as it was mentioned, from uh, Goshen, Indiana, which is where uh, Aaron and Janet lived previous to uh, coming up here uh, to West Michigan, Uh, But just to be clear, I am one of you. I was uh, born here in Grand Rapids in the year of our Lord, 1984. Last year, the Tigers won the World Series, by the way. Uh, So, um, yeah, I'm here today uh, to, you know, I don't don't get the sense of what, like, maybe I should listen to more of Aaron's sermons. But, like, I'm a pretty fun guy, uh, youth and young adult pastor. I will take everything that we do here today very, very seriously. We're going into the Word of God, and that's always a really great opportunity, Uh, but I want to kind of uh, engage with you all. I want us to kind of go on a journey, and I know that you have all been in the Gospel of Mark. We're going to hit the pause button on Mark, and we are going to be in the fourth chapter of Ephesians today. Um, A lot could be said about the book of Ephesians, Um, and we'll be beginning in verse one, take the first few verses to kind of start our time together, and I have my clicker, so... I that's yes nailed it um, so uh what we, what we could say about the book of ephesians to begin with is is really a, a letter from paul we think uh yes to the church in ephesus but likely traveled around as well uh calling followers of jesus early followers of jesus into their identity that was in christ um In the Greco-Roman world, uh, you could identify yourself a lot of different ways with whatever uh, previous cult practice or religious organization or trade organization that you had been a part of. Um, uh, But here, Paul is calling the people of Jesus to identity in Christ, what that means to live into that identity, and the fact that... um, their, their new identity is actually going to look different than some of the value systems of the surrounding culture, which that is following Jesus after all, that eventually, um, as we dive deeper into our relationship with, with Christ and begin to look more like Christ, to be transformed by Christ, that we will become a kingdom people operating under kingdom values and kingdom perspectives, and necessarily that will come up against be kingdoms of this world, that there will be differences, and so um, we want to kind of explore that uh, this morning. So with that said, we're going to go to the fourth chapter of Ephesians to begin, and it would be really helpful if I actually took my notes out, there we go. Um, So Ephesians 4 beginning in verse 1, uh, Paul writes, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you One faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Word of the Lord. So this morning, uh, we want to dissect this a little bit. We want to work through it. Um, First and foremost, we believe that Paul was indeed a prisoner uh, at the time that he wrote uh, to the church in Ephesus. And the whole idea here is, um, though I'm in prison... This, what I'm about ready to share with you is of primary importance. I could be, he, Paul could be going on about how he's having a rough time or how this whole prison thing is really cramping his style, but instead, he's like, as a prisoner of the Lord, regardless of my circumstances now, I, I belong to Christ. And because I do, I want to urge you I want to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Now... Um, When we start talking about unity, the unity of the spirit, which is where we're going this morning, um, there's a lot of definitions for unity or what unity can look like. And In my context, where I come from, uh, when I hear the word unity, I almost, uh, I have like a little bit of a reaction. Um, So let me explain to you. Uh, Really, let's begin first here by saying I do have a confession to make amongst all of you this morning. I feel that I'm in a safe place. I can feel your loving, warm presence with me this morning. So I'm just going to start with a confession. Um, I like banjo music. Uh, the gasps. Um, and uh, this is sort of a recent, more kind of a recent discovery for me, but a few weeks ago, uh, my father and I had the opportunity to go to a uh, Bela Fleck and the Fleck Tones concert. Some of you music heads, yep. That's a deep, that's a deep cut, but you know. Uh, so... Uh, It's been called uh, Bluegrass Jazz Fusion. The labels kind of are hard. They're a a quartet. Some of the most gifted musicians that I have ever heard in my entire life. uh, On their own, some of the most gifted musicians. But when they come together, uh, they've been as a band together for now. They're celebrating 30 years uh, together. Um, Something different happens. And and as I went to this concert with my dad, um, I I thought this was kind of an interesting, it was a vision for what we're talking about when we talk about unity in the spirit. Um, as often is the case, the band gets up, they begin to play, and then they have, they have opportunities for solos. And when the solo came, um, uh, it's in of themselves when you're watching the individual performer, the individual person, all the gifts that they've been giving, the skills and everything, and they're just executing their craft. It's an amazing thing to watch. Um, in this particular group, I mean, they do things with their instruments that are just like, it's, you can't really put your head around. And then there's this moment though, where they do their solo work, but then it all comes together. And they're all playing together, playing one song together, and you, it, the composition of the work becomes something altogether different. Um, you've been amazed by the individuals and their gifts and their talents and what they've, what, what really what God has given them. But then when that comes together in unity, it's like you're transported to kind of another world. There is something special. The, the, the sum is greater uh, than its individual parts. And as I was watching this with my dad um, and just sort of experiencing this, I thought, I thought this, this kind of gets at the image of biblical unity. When Paul says uh, to people, um, "Be eager to maintain the unity of spirit of the spirit in the bond of peace," I think the first question we have to ask is: Are we eager in our spheres of life, wherever we are, in the classroom, in our workplace, in our churches? Are we eager to maintain the bond of unity? Uh, You don't have to turn, I I have limited my news watching a lot recently. Uh, The TV is not on as much, Uh, news outlets, media outlets are not as frequent uh, on my radar screen these days because uh, I have found that, and this is not a a secret, we are as a country perhaps more divided than we have ever been. Uh, Hopes of unity in certain areas seem to be sometimes at a very far reach away and I have these uh, just experiences every one, once in a while of, if I can be honest, uh, a little bit of hopelessness that seeks in, a little bit of despair, a little bit of, of will we, just as a people, as a human race, find a way to to communicate with each other, to talk with each other, to sit down at the table, even if uh, we come from different places. Is, is this possible? And then I remember, and and I read in these words that, Actually, it is through Christ and his spirit that unity come. Actual unity, true unity, uh, everlasting unity, is found in the spirit of Christ. Not in other places, but in the spirit of Christ. And so this is why the gospel, the good news of Jesus, is actually the, the only hope of the world. And the kind of the tensions that we're seeing right now and that we're feeling and experiencing. And and by the way, tensions within the church. Um, I just received an email from a close friend of mine who uh, pastors in a United Methodist congregation. And uh, if you've been following the news or have seen anything with them as a group, I mean, they're, and she overtly told me, she said, we're expecting a church split next year. Um, uh, that's coming, and this is a you know a long-standing mainline denomination that this is this is coming our way. I come from a context where the community that I'm a part of um, had to separate from its long-standing uh, denomination. The hurt, the pain, the difficulty of people who were uh, considered themselves to be unified, and all of the sudden there was a conflict. All of a sudden there was a differing perspective, and to be just fully honest with all of you, um, there, was, there were sides to be taken. There were differences that were eventually seen as irreconcilable. Because it was, ultimately, a lot of these situations are ultimately, how will we follow Jesus? What do we see as the biblical and faithful way of following Christ? And so, inevitably, sometimes divisions happen. On the other side, though, uh, sometimes divisions happen over uh, the color of the carpet, or uh, I, and I was really the congregation I came to uh, they had just done a remodel just before I came onto staff, and I was notified that there was like the blood red carpet in the sanctuary you all know what i 'm talking about. problem is that this had been put in in the year two thousand. I thought this was like a, I know right didn 't last long uh, the gasp blood red carpet yeah, I know I know it 's like the blood of Jesus every Sunday, just everywhere. Um, and, you know, so there's these things of what are essential things? When we're working toward unity, what are essentials? What are non-essentials? Um, I, I think of the words of John Chrysostom, the early church father, who uh, essentially said, in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, charity, in all things, Christ. Uh, we want to find our, our being, we want to find our very identity rooted in the person, of jesus so that's kind of the theological backdrop that's the anchor point here in the unity of christ but he says i want to urge you i want to urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called and the question i think rightly is Is what is this calling well ephesians 1 18 uh, we read, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, this is Paul's hope. So that I hope that you have, this is, that you have the heart, eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which you have been called. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? Um, this call is, is that there are, there's an inheritance waiting for the people of God. There is a future reality in the kingdom of God, an inheritance to those that call on the name of Christ who put their faith and trust in Christ, and that that inheritance is not just a promise for the sweet by and by, for a better day someday in the future, though that's, that is the case, eternal, eternal life with God, but that eternal life that begins now, that there is a call that actually has something to do with our daily walk with Jesus here and now. And so that's the call. So when, he says, I want to remind you what you've been called to, it's this hope. It's a call to hope. So, how do we live lives in a worthy manner that are worthy of the calling? What does that look like? With humility? Um, and humility is a, is a rough thing. Where, where I'm from, uh, so this is in Amish Mennonite land, uh, a very humble people. Um, I can't give you the, uh, the, the Pennsylvania Dutch term for it, but they, uh, Amish and Mennonites frequently use this uh, phrase. Uh, they refer to themselves as, as a low people. We want to be low people. Now the problem is, is they refer to people outside of their uh, religious circles as the high people, Right? So already we've got a problem because we've got to try to reconcile the low people with the high people. And this is why these two groups historically in my area have had a real hard time of coming together around the single person of Jesus because it feels very much like they've got their Jesus and we have our Jesus. We have the high Jesus and they have their low Jesus, right? And uh, that's a hard thing to navigate. But humility is... uh, When we're talking about humility and being humble... Um, As C.S. Lewis put it, I think it's a great way. It's not that I think less of myself, it is that I think of myself less. Um, Humility has everything to do with being for the other person. It's seeking for the good of the other person, of lifting the other person up. Not putting ourselves down, not thinking less of ourselves. Um, The Christian tradition has this unfortunate wing, I think, of, like, I'm just supposed to be this, like, you know, this kind of shriveled up. Uh, you know, I'm just so glad that Christ has saved me, and I'm just not—I'm just not worth a, a lick, and uh, I could never do anything that's right. And but, man, just thank thank God for Jesus. Well, yes, thank God for Jesus, but thank God for the Spirit of Jesus that dwells within those who put their trust in Him and gives us the ability to live out the fruits of the Spirit. Who gives us a call—a call that's that's worthy, and that actually uh, propels us into a life that is purposeful, that gives has meaning, um, that has value and beauty. So humility. Be gentle, he says. Be gentle with each other. Um, for any of you parents out there, uh, raising your children with gentleness. Oh, God bless you all. God bless you. Uh, last night... All six of us stayed in one hotel room. Um, Gentleness, gentleness. Three children slept on one pull-out couch. (sighs) My wife is a saint. Um, We managed to get through. But approaching each other with gentleness, um, with a desire to be, again, gentleness to be for the other person, right? All these characteristics Paul is mentioning are leading up to how we get to unity. Being humble with one another, seeking the good of the other, being gentle with one another, um, looking to keep open avenues for conversation, for friendship, for brother and sisterhood. Um, patience, to be patient with one another. Other uh, translations, it comes from the Greek word uh, long-suffering. Patience, that's an interesting term, but to suffer a long time with another person. Or to suffer with a relationship. To to put up with things and to work toward a greater relationship and not to just to write somebody off at the first uh, chance that we get when uh, their perspective is different or they have a personality that doesn't quite vibe with ours. Long-suffering, to be a people of long-suffering. And then bearing with one another in love. Uh, The image here of bearing with one another... It's kind of like this: like uh, we lock our arms together and we push uh, forward um, in the midst of what is inevitable. Because we live in a broken world and live in a fallen world, um, we have to we have to lock our arms together. We have to push forward together because the enemy is real, opposition is real. Um, we do not uh, this universe as it is right now uh, always veers. Chaos and disunity. Um, as I uh, was talking with one of our other pastors the other day, um, like, I've never found a problem that has, like, that I've come up in life that has just fixed itself. And that's never happened. Uh, the tendency is always toward fracturing, it's never toward uh, being put back together and being made whole. And so, I have to lock arms. I have to bear with one another. We have to bear together uh, to move forward. Because without that, we're a bunch of individuals. And that is not the image of the body of Christ. It's not what has been placed in front of us. Bear with one another. And then that we would be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit. Not many bodies, not many spirits, but one. Just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one Father of all. I think it, it can be a difficult question to say, what does it look like for us to be unified? Um, from where I'm from is very similar to here Uh, I did lose track of the number of churches that we drove by uh, in the eight miles from our hotel to here right Um, you know uh, I know that we're in the land of if you ain't Dutch you ain't much Uh, (laughs) that applies in my place it's if you ain't Pennsylvania Dutch you ain't much it's a little different but I, I get that where there can seem to be culturally because we've got all kind of a Christian population we've got steeples everywhere and churches everywhere that we can kind of just think that we are actually all unified because everybody's kind of doing their Christian thing. It's very much the case, uh, case where I'm from as well, kind of in this, cult, this cultural Christianity and we just kind of assume that we're actually coming together in the bond of peace. Um, the, the issue is, is that I think sometimes uh, we do confuse unity with conformity or uniformity specifically Um, I know I'm giving you all these Amish and uh, Mennonite references because this is my reality but you know, uh, in the Amish world, right, they all dress the same right, because that is demonstrating that they are together right, outward appearance same thing you go to an Amish church uh, gathering on a Sunday morning uh, you walk up uh, all the men are in white shirts and uh, black vests, black hat black pants and all the women are on all the men are on one side of the barn and all the women uh, with similar attire with uh, you know bonnets and dresses and all that are on the other and there the understanding is is that because we're a church we're together we dress this way we dress the same uh, there is there is a uniformity to it and it has and, and the thing is we we default when talking about unity uh, the easy default is is basically to just say, "Well, we're all the we all the same. We engage all in these same practices, so that makes us that brings us together." Um, and uh, if you've I've seen plenty of to use sports analogy, I've seen plenty of teams that wear the same uniform, right? Same outward appearance; they have a uniformity to them, but they can't play together as a team to save their life. They can't, they can't come, really come together because the bond that needs to be together for people to be together, to bear with one another, to move in the same direction isn't there. And they've, for whatever reason, you know, we, they let themselves off with, well, we're, we're all on the same team. We all wear the same uniform. That's good enough, right? So it, it requires um, more. More than just sharing in the same practices or using the same language or getting together uh, on Sundays you know in the same place it requires gentleness it requires bearing with one another it requires long-suffering it requires entering in to the bond of peace with one another And the reality is, is that in the midst of all of this, we have an enemy that is doing his absolute best to make sure that we are not unified, that we are not one. Um, In the early translation, the early Greek translation of the Old Testament, known as the Septuagint, um, whenever the name of the devil or uh, Satan are used, uh, the Greek word that they'd use for it was... uh, uh, diabolos. So uh, we get like diabolical or diablo or whatever. Break the two words down, it is actually, it means one who scatters or divides. Um, this, is, this is how uh, the ancient Greek world and how the, the scholars understood the role of the enemy. Was, uh, it's, his, his basic tactic was to keep people apart. Um, he was an enemy of unity an enemy of togetherness. And so uh, whenever you see division, whenever you see people uh, going into their own camps or dividing from one another, you can be sure that the enemy is active. We can apply this to our churches. We can apply this to our families. Um, I don't know if any of you have had that experience where you just can't deal with that other person and you've got you to gotta go to your own space and you don't want to come back to the table and you don't want to work through it. Um, those, those are opportunities where unity in the spirit is being challenged. And if Christ is who he says he is and I believe he is and if he really has died and if he has really risen if he's really conquered death, sin, and evil then he's made a way for us who trust in him who are a part of his body, who are indwelled by his spirit, to come together, to be together, and to do so in such a way that brings a greater truth to this world. So I could talk about, you know, Paul's words here in, in Ephesians, um, but I think it's really important that we hear from Jesus on this as well. Um John 17, the reason I love John 17, what often is known as the High Priestly Prayer, is that it gives us, Christ's church today, an insight into what Jesus desires for us. Sometimes we can read you know, what he had to say to the apostles, and we have to kind of apply you know, his disciples, and we have to kind of apply the truths that he um, gave to them, and say, okay, what, what is our role in all of this today? But here we hear from jesus uh, in, a, in a different way so as he's uh he's in john 17 uh verse 20 verse uh, 20 jesus is praying over his disciples and he says i do not ask for these only that is his disciples but also for those who will believe in me through their word that they may all be one just as you father are in me and I in you that they may also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me the glory that you have given me I have given to them that they may be one even as we are one I in them and you in me that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you have sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Apparently a key to the gospel truth, to people in this world knowing Christ, knowing who he is, knowing his love, a key point to all of that, the ability for this world to know that, is that his people are unified in the spirit. They are together. I know we've got a lot of differences between us. I know we come from different places. We have different stories. Um, the broader church, certainly the case. But in a world that's so uh, seriously divided right now and is looking for peace, um, Jesus says, My hope, God, is that the people that come to faith in me by the testimony, of these early disciples, that's you and I sitting here in this room today. Um, that we would Can I turn off? <laughs> beautiful. Thank you. Um, then, in a world that's divided that we recognize that our ability to come together, to be unified in the spirit and coming together in the bond of peace is a unique weapon against division. And that, that's true, again, in our larger church context. It's true in our families. It's true in all of our relationships. So this morning, um, I just think of a few questions uh, that I would just like to put in front of all of us. Um, where are you united? Where are you united with others? Where are you bearing with one another? Where are you extending gentleness and kindness and long suffering with each other? Where do you have opportunities to do that? Maybe, maybe there's been a gap there where you've had the opportunity and haven't seized it yet. Could we could we build an imagination for unity? Could we think about trusting in the power of the Holy Spirit? give us the words to say, to give us the courage to go into uncomfortable places. Maybe there's a relationship that's broken. Uh, Maybe there is uh, some sort of uh, dysfunction in a relationship that you have. It might be with another brother and sister. It might be uh, with someone who doesn't know Jesus. But ultimately, friends, we've been given the spirit of unity. And I hope, um, my prayer is, is that we can become a people that are eager to live into the calling that has been put before us. Jesus has called us to be together just as he and the Father are together. That's a big call. That's That's a powerful call. But Christ thinks it's possible. And it's what he has asked for us as his people. So this morning my prayer is is that we would come together as a church that we would find ways for unity, that we would love each other well, and that in the midst of that that Christ would be proclaimed, that the gospel would be known because we love each other well, because we come together well, and that that will be an antidote a world that is so badly divided and is in desperate need of a savior uh, to bring it together again to fix it let's pray together heavenly father i thank you for uh, your word i thank you for your call uh, that's before us lord jesus um, i pray for my brothers and sisters this morning where wherever we are not united wherever there is uh, maybe a spirit of division or a a fractured relationship, God, I just pray by your power, by your spirit, that that would be healed, Um, that togetherness, that oneness, that unity would be possible. And God, where we have to discern, where, where there are clear differences, God, would you give us the grace to navigate those things as well? Give us wisdom. Give us strength. Lord, we desire to be your people in a world that is uh, scattered and fractured and divided. Uh, Would you just show us how to love others well? Would we uh, just eagerly pursue after the calling that you have put in front of us? May we rest in you as we uh, step out in faith. Thank you for this morning with these, uh, with these good people. I, I'm, just, uh, I'm just so grateful, God, that we get to come together and to hear from you. So thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your gospel, for the good news that you have uh, died to sin. You've overcome it. You are the victor. May we put our trust in you and you alone. It's in your good name we pray. Amen. flaming sparrow.